you know, if there's anybody that's thinking about making a career change or starting a business or um, moving to a different place, whatever you want to do, um, you can dream as big as you want. Just just do it. Just believe in yourself. And it's OK to have failure. You, you don't know success without failure. Welcome back to the Two Stubborn to Fail podcast. I am your host, Darren Perkins, and we have a very special guest in the building today. Um, so if you haven't checked out the interview with Ashley Waddington, um, amazing interview. We talk about mental health a lot in it. We're actually going to continue that conversation with her business partner, Lenita Jefferson. How are you doing today? I'm great. And you? I'm great. I'm I'm so glad that we were able to finally get on each other's schedules. Yes. As it was a lot of obstacles we had in the way. Um, one of them being COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we talked a little bit about it off camera, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a lot of a lot that goes into it. And even after the negative test, we're still dealing with some of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that that we're both healthy enough to do the interview and. We could finally get on each other's schedules. Yes. Um, another reason why today is so special is because this is the 25th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been a long road. Um, got a, a long way to go, mm-hmm. but I've enjoyed the process so far. And um, I'm honored that you were, you agreed to be on the show and be that 25th episode. I mean, you didn't know that, but, right. but hey, that's going to make it that much better of an episode. Um Always got to find a reason to celebrate. Always, always. <laughs> um, before we get into it, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate everybody. Um, and wherever you get your podcasts, I'm, I'm, we got the show everywhere. Um, so where I want to start is, where are you from? So that's a complicated question. Okay. Um, I am a military brat. Oh, okay. So I'm pretty much from all over. <laughs> I do consider um, South Carolina to be my home, though. I've been here the longest. So Columbia okay. is my home. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been here in, in Columbia? Um, I've been here for, to be honest, well over 15 years. Um, outside of that, um, I live in Cali. Mm-hmm. All of my family's in New York. So New York is like my uh, roots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. So, um, how was that being a military brat? How how did that uh, play into obviously having to meet new people, uh-huh. always being the new the new person yes. in town? How was that for you? Um, it it just became second nature. Mm-hmm. I know that I don't have a problem being a new person. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem trying to make friends. Um, it was it was amazing being able to be around so many different cultures and live in different places. Like I lived in Germany. Um, I just had a lot of experience, I think, with just people in general. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, would it be fair to say, it seems like, you know, the, the short time that I've known you, that mm-hmm. you are pretty outgoing. Do you uh-huh. think that had anything to do with it? Absolutely. Because you are the new person all the time. And mm-hmm. you know how it is being a new student. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everybody already has their cliques and, you know, the people they hang around. And if you're an outsider, you know, they can... You know, touched your gangster a little bit. Um, so yeah, I I think that that just came with it. Like I just had to kind of be that outgoing person to be, I guess, accepted at that time. Mm-hmm. But now it's just me, just who I am. And what what would you say? Um, what kind of effects did all of this have on your on the mental side? Like, what what, what did you have? To, did you have to deal with any any mental? Um, I guess just coping. How did you cope with that? 
with like being like the new person. Um, I think at the time it was just good that like I had my siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that helped. Um, I had older siblings, so of course they weren't they were protective and things like that. So I think that helped. Um, yeah, I don't think I really technically had a coping skill, but just to learn to be comfortable with me. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's good. Um, there did you ever remember having, um, how was the, the relationship with your parents? Were, they, were you able to, was it like an open line of communication or was it more of a do as I say and not as I do type of situation? Um, I think as when I was younger, it was a more do as I say. Mm -hmm. um, as I've gotten older, the funny thing about the military, especially when you have like my mom and dad, they my dad went into the military when he was 18. Wow. So he was in the military all the way, I guess, up until my age, mm -hmm. like 36, 37. I guess I'm sharing my age. <laughs> but so the, the funny thing was, you know, the military pretty much raised them. Right. Right. So when when he retired, we moved into civilian life. Um, so we went from the military taking care of everything, being around different cultures mm. to pretty much moving to the hood. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a, it was a culture shock and it was for them too. I can mm. tell now as an adult and we talk about it a lot now, mm. you know, so they had to really realize how to be civilians. So mm. they had to change everything mm -hmm. about the way they were raising us and right. things like that. So the communication did change after the military. Okay. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Um, would you say, is it anything um, that you can remember growing up uh, that you do now with your family that you wish would have transpired when you were young? Um, I have to say no. no. I think everything my mom and dad did with the way we were growing up, I definitely do it with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they they did an amazing job. So like, yeah. Hey, shout out to your parents. Right. That is that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it makes it easier for you to be a parent. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, because mm -hmm. you having that model of what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Um. So, what made you um want to study psychology? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I think, and this is a part of the. I know you're gonna ask me a question mm -hmm. about adversity yeah. later, so it, it comes with that. Yeah. So is, is that okay for me? Okay. 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 <laughs> so um, what happened was I uh went away to school, mm -hmm. first time being away from mom and dad, and even though I can cope with being in new places, like learning to be an adult so fast was really hard for me. So mm -hmm. I went away to school in Virginia, um, homesick, uh, predominantly white school. Mm -hmm trying to figure out how I fit into this 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 space right. with people who, you know, were just rich and privileged and it was really, really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um so I started having panic attacks mm -hmm. and um just full of anxiety, trying to figure out just how to cope, couldn't figure it out. So I decided to um start seeing a counselor on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, she really did help me with like figuring out coping skills, understanding what was going on with me. And it really did help me. Like it felt like magic. Like I was mm -hmm. just meditating and exercising and coping and I wasn't feeling so anxious and I was right. able to participate and pay attention in class. Like my whole life started changing. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was able to realize that I had all these strengths that I could do and I, and I could do this without mom and dad being there to mm -hmm. kind of cater to me and take care of me. Um, so I wanted to be able to do that for people, mm -hmm. like to just sit down and listen and try to help them figure out 
um, what they had going on and, and, and to, um, you know, kind of take care of the, help them take care of the negativity in their life. Mm. Um, so I was inspired by my experience gotcha. of trying to get to that other side where you just want your brain to stop racing yes. all the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's, I definitely cope with that. Mm. In college, I would say in itself, even if you didn't go through that specifically, mm-hmm. it's a huge change. Mm-hmm. For most of us, that's our first, very first time being completely on our own. Yes. Like everything. Uh, we were so used to, you know, all the way up into the 12th grade, everything being basically told what to do. Yes. And at that point, when you go off to college, it's up to you yeah. to go to class. So that could be a huge yes. um, culture shock, just a huge shock in general um, that everything now is on you. It was definitely a culture shock, yes. Um, Did you have any tips for anybody who uh, may be going through that now? Like, how would would you suggest they go about finding help? Yeah, there's so many ways. Um, You know, of course, we're in the age of social media, Mm -hmm. so you can always go online and find something. I'm not a big fan of the TikTok therapist. (laughs) Um, Some of them are good, but you got to be careful where you get your information from. Um, but, um, you can do psychologytoday.com. Sometimes just asking a friend. Um, I think that mental health is becoming so mainstream that you might not even realize that your Mm -hmm. friend is already seeking therapy or have had the experience of therapy. Um, but definitely just Google what you're looking for. Um, um, other than that, like if you are a student on campus or even through your job, you know, Mm -hmm. you, everybody has benefits through their job where they can get a free, a couple of free sessions. So sometimes it's just opening up your mouth and asking for help, Mm -hmm. which is a hard thing. That's the hardest part. That's the hard (laughs) thing. Right. So if you can't do that, if you're not at that point in your life of asking for help, definitely just Google therapists in your area. That would be a good place to start. Um, so what, what is your area of expertise? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now I do a lot of grief counseling. Okay. Um, I probably do that about 75% of the time. Um, I do have some background in trauma, so I do a little bit of trauma. Um, but the, the type of clients I see are predominantly black women who are working mm-hmm. and they have grief, anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that part. Um, I'm working on bringing in a different kind of technique mm-hmm. to mental health. Um, so I am working on incorporating rap therapy into mental health. Really? Yeah. So that's going to be my specialty as I, um, work through that process. So, wow. Yeah. Kind of touch on rap therapy a little bit. Absolutely. What do you mean by that? Okay. Um, so rap therapy is, it's about 20 years old. Uh Um, and it was created by a psychologist named Don Elegant. I can't remember, uh, what, um, university he was at. But basically what he did was um, he wanted to figure out how to get um, a rapport built with youth, um, predominantly black and Latino youth who were at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who were kids who were getting kicked out of school, um, kids that came from, you know, ba- horrible backgrounds and were having a hard time, you know, um, just doing the right thing pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, so he... Uh, research different ways to try to build that rapport with the youth. Um, and if you don't know, most most of our about ninety percent ninety percent of our population listens to hip hop and rap music, regardless mm-hmm. of what you look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decided to try to use hip hop and rap to um, build a rapport and to try to understand, you know, uh, where the the youth was coming from. So um, it worked. Mm-hmm. So he created. Rap therapy using cognitive behavioral skills, 
Um, so when I say cognitive behavioral, that's more so of how a person looks at themselves versus how they look at the world versus how they look at others. Mm. Um, and he added that into social learning theory. And social learning theory is on the lines of, um, to be honest, I think Tupac says it best, like being a product of your environment. Mm -hmm. So he put all of those um, those aspects together and created rap therapy. So what I do with it is I use hip hop and rap lyrics. Um, to promote mental health, build rapport with clients in order to bring um, more black and African-American people into counseling. I like that. I like that. How, how has that been going so far? Um, it's been amazing. So this summer I did a uh, pilot study um, to see, I created a um, manual mm -hmm. on how to use it, you know, and some things to pull out. Um, some aspects of the the um, the lyrics to pull out for people to think about. So I'm trying to give like an example real quick because I know it's kind of um, difficult to talk about um, this way. But um, so basically, I'm looking at the well-being of um, Black college age men right now. Mm -hmm. So how they're doing overall. There's not a lot of research to so to show. Um, that mental health is focused on just how Black men are doing outside right. of. Um, uh, diabetes and getting locked up mm -hmm. and um, HIV and homosexuality. It's just how you doing. Right. That's it. So that's what I'm looking at. So we'll look at lyrics to see how um, a client can relate to them. Um, the, it, do you find coping skills in hip hop and rap? How do you use it? Does it help you get up and go to work in the morning? Um, does it make you feel better when you're sad? Um, so things like that. So I'm creating a manual and I wanted to test it out to see you know, if there's anything I need to add, how people will respond to it, that type of thing. Um, and it's been amazing. So I had yeah. um, five participants that uh, agreed to do it for free. Mm -hmm. um, and it, the response has been amazing. And out of those five, um, and they were okay with me sharing this, out mm -hmm. of those five, four of them have decided to continue therapy somewhere. Nice. And um, they none, none of the participants have ever been in therapy before. That's huge. That's amazing. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad you said that because I did want to touch on on the state of mental health uh, within the black community in general. Mm -hmm. um, where would you say it is now um, compared to, you know, the past, you know, 10 years? Mm -hmm. where, do you, where would you say the state of black mental health is in general? I think that is getting better. And I have to be honest, I really do think it's because of media outlets like rap and hip hop. Mm -hmm. Um, even R&B music, I really think is better. I think that this generation here, they're just more in tune with their emotions mm -hmm. and being okay with being vulnerable. Right. Um, and you can just see a shift in um, the younger generation. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that it is changing. There's still a lot of work to be done. Um, their studies show that during the pandemic, um, suicide among black men went up 60%. Wow. That's a lot. That's too much. Yes, that's a lot. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but it is changing. The conversation is out there. People are being more open to it. So what it does, though, it does take um, some creativity to get people in. Mm -hmm. And it really takes um, us looking at, OK, well, what do what do black men need? How are they coping if they're not coming for for um, mental health therapy? Which we know why we know why black men kind of, you know, don't come in for mental health or physical health. Right. You know, um, so we get that part. But it, it really does take, you know professionals to say, all right, we have to look at this. How do we get black men in to to kind of decrease some of these disparities are going on that are going on in the community? Right. 
And I think um, a huge part of it, just speaking for me personally, uh, we always tend to think of it, you know, have a negative connotation mm -hmm. on therapy in general. Um, but you can go to a therapist when you're not in a bad space. Yes. And and it may be easier to go when you're in a good space yes. versus in a bad space because you're already feeling bad. You know, you don't want to be judged. But I think that in itself is, is it's the same thing with going to the doctor. A lot of people only go when it's the emergency room. But a yearly a checkup or every yes. six months is just as important as that emergency room. Right. Yeah. Preventative right. maintenance in a way. I right. think that's a huge part of our overall well-being um, yes. and I'm guilty of it as well I'm getting better as you know as I get older um, but you know it's just for whatever reason it's just easier to ignore a lot of that stuff yeah and I think that's why um, my research is so important because it's just that just the the well-being just mm -hmm. come in and just talk chat how you doing yeah just <laughs> you know make sure your brain is in a good space right. that's it um, but, you know, helping to get over those myths and well, some of them aren't myths. Some, right. of, some of them are really bad things that have happened in right. our community when it comes to healthcare. But I guess just recreating that that conversation with people um, and making sure that they're comfortable when they come into therapy. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, I'm loving this interview so far. Um, we'll be right back after after these endorsements. Built on the passion and love for art, All Things Design is here to create spaces you will love and custom designs and memories that will last a lifetime. All Things Design specializes in event design, interior design, corporate design, custom design projects, and home closet organization. And that's just to name a few. Communication is key. We're here for whatever you need. Will help you solidify your vision and keep in constant contact until your dream is realized. All things design, a step above the rest. Be sure to book at allthingsdesign.org. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Two Stubborn Affair podcast. Um, we are on, we're still on episode 25, going strong. We're continuing this conversation about mental, not only mental health, but mental health within uh, the black community. How do you unpack on a daily basis, especially on those not so great days where, you know, you've had a hard day yourself? What what are your what is your go to for unpacking? Yeah, so I have a few. The first one is I do see a therapist. Mm -hmm. A therapist should definitely see a therapist. Um, so I go regularly to therapy. Um, I do try to work out when I have time. Mm -hmm. You know, having a family is is that can make it hard. Yes. Um, but I do try to work out. Um, and then I just love rap music that's just my go-to and that's why I wanted to you know be able to share that from a um academic perspective mm -hmm. of you know how good it can be when it when it comes to coping and just trying to unwind and let go of some of the things that have happened during the day I agree with that because I can I can attest to the the music as well it's just it can make you feel so many emotions mm -hmm. I know that um, certain songs can change your mood mm -hmm. um, may, maybe not immediately but you know just going to maybe just riding in the car for 15 minutes mm -hmm. listening to your favorite playlist that can change your whole mood yes you know because sometimes you just need that that time to yourself where you're not you're not a husband you're not a wife yes. a parent you're not a child any of the things that we associate ourselves with at some point 
you have to det detach from that momentarily yes. just to make sure you are okay. Yes. Um, because I think we can get caught up in the monotony of uh, working and being in relationships and everything else that we have going on Absolutely. in the world that we often neglect ourselves. And, and you know, it's easy. We, we <laughs> It's like we rationalize that by saying we can get to it later, but okay. that later can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's something that you that we really need to do every day at some point, even if it's 15 minutes. Just take that, that little bit of time to have that coffee or, or listen mm -hmm. to that podcast or, or listen to that song. You know, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. something that we have to continue to work on. Um, and it's easy to, to forget about that. Yeah. And that's something that I stress with my clients, too. Um, you know, we always try to say things like I'm trying to find a balance. I'm yeah. trying to, that doesn't that the B word is a curse word in here. It is. You can't use balance because right. we're always going to be trying to find a balance. Always. We never. So it really is just showing up for yourself every mm -hmm. single day. Just get up. You know what you need to do. Just show up every single day. That's yes. all you have to do. And that's what I had to do is even if you're busy. You have to find some time. For me, I made it where I have to wake up at 4.30 mm -hmm. and go to the gym. Um, that's the only time that I really have. Um, so I had to utilize that. Yeah. You know? and, and sometimes it does take sacrifices. Obviously, nobody wants to be up that early. But, you know, but mm -hmm. I find that we always tend to make, we will make time for the things that are most important to us. Yeah. Um, we just need to make ourselves part of that. Oh, yes. I, I feel that. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so um, we did touch a little bit on um, how we were introduced through Ashley. How, how did you meet Ashley? <laughs> this is funny. Um, so we met at um, in grad school. We were getting our master's together um, mm -hmm. at uh, the School of Medicine at USC. Um, and, um, we had a class together and, um, I remember she used to just always sit across from me and mm -hmm. I just thought she was so cool and smart with some of the things she would say, you know how <laughs> yeah. her, um, you know, she's just so spunky and full of energy. Um, she's just really good people all mm -hmm. over. So anyway, um, you know, I was just at a point in my life where I'm just like, ah, oh, do I really need new friends? <laughs> um, you know, so I'm just like trying to ignore how cool she was and stuff like that. And I would go home and talk about her. And my um, he was my boyfriend at the time, but my husband was just like, just say something to her. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I'm a Pisces, so I love hard. Uh -huh. And so I didn't, you know, I was just trying to figure out, you know, how that would fit. Right. But anyway, um, so we started talking um, and it was just like, besties at first sight mm -hmm. um and then we went on a double date and we just stuck together now just Man. yeah now we're here i can say that ashley's personality does does wear on you mm -hmm. it's like even if you don't want to uh because i mean i'm similar situation mm -hmm. at the gym mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm just here to work out not really mm -hmm. here to make friends but just her personality is infectious so mm -hmm. you know at some point yeah. You just gotta just go, ahead. You. Just, go, just go ahead and, and introduce yourself. Um yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah, um that's cool. So you have known each other since college. Um, yeah. At what point? So all right, so you go through college mm -hmm. and you decide to pursue uh, professional careers in, in similar fields. What was that process like for you to to go to, you know, graduate? Mm -hmm. Um, so 
I think like midway through the program, I knew that I wanted to open up my private practice. I was working at other private practices. I love the the freedom, the creativity. I, I just knew that this is something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we graduated, Ashley and I pretty much followed each other around. Like mm-hmm. we worked at the state together. We worked at a private practice together. We just followed each other around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had been trying to convince her and talk to her about opening up a private practice. Um, and, uh, she told me no for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then one day I called her and I'm like, look, I'm doing this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you jumping in or not? <laughs> you need to sleep on it. And so she, she just was like, let's do it. Um, but, um, it was, it was a cool process. I think that I learned a lot during that time, like, uh, I guess about myself, um, and like how much motivation and how much, um, uh, yeah, let me just back up mm-hmm. how much motivation you have to have to even make these steps to be an entrepreneur um and and how scary it can be Mm -hmm. and the other side to it is is how many people are scared for you so Mm -hmm. they really try to you know push you yeah yeah (laughs) and i think that's why it took me so long to get started i Mm -hmm. wish i would have done it sooner but i think i had to go through kind of those growing pains of Mm -hmm. learning to not listen to other people learning to follow your dreams no matter how big they are um just and, and just learning to take a risk on yourself. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So you get to this point where you decide to go into business together. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was that like? Just being able to, uh, you know, officially, I know you, you talked about calling her, just mm-hmm. making her do it, but what was that process like of, of you know, going into business with, with a longtime friend? Mm-hmm. How was that for you? Um, I know that, People shy away from that, mm-hmm. you know, don't do friends, don't mm-hmm. do family, but it's really been amazing. And I think it's because just, we just vibe so mm-hmm. well. And it's, I can tell Ashley my dream or my vision. And it's like, she can automatically pick up what it is and we can just run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and not to say that we are always on the same page, you know, sometimes she might feel a different way about something, but I think us having open communication and maybe that comes from our training from being therapists, mm-hmm. but being able to talk things through and being able to accept each other for who they are and then just having each other's back. It's just been like, like a slice of cake. It's mm-hmm. just been so easy. Like a true, sounds like you have a true partnership. Yeah. A lot of people don't really dissect what that means to like being a partner like mm-hmm. a 50 50 type thing is having those honest conversations mm-hmm. with each other like you said y'all don't always necessarily see eye to eye on right. everything but finding that common ground yeah. um because y'all own a business together mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. that's not anything that's needed so i understand that um even you know during during the pandemic when it first hit that you know things were rough for everybody, but um, because of the state of mental health, not only in our community, but worldwide, um, I understand that business actually picked up for quite a bit for y'all. Man, it was, it was crazy. And so it's, you know, it's bittersweet because I know that the whole world just went upside down right. with COVID mm-hmm. and I know so many people lost their lives because of it. Um, for business, it just did amazing things. And so I, I like to be humble with with it, with saying that, you know, I don't want to get on here and say business was great, right. which it was. Right. I want to be humble in the sense of 
it really allowed us to be there for people who lost loved ones. Mm -hmm. It allowed us to be there for people who were stuck in their house and couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. It allowed us to be there for people who couldn't even go to the grocery store or step outside to get their mail because they were so afraid that they were going to lose their lives from COVID. Um, So it really, we were really on the front lines and people were um, coming in here. Like, you know, and I know Ashley talked about this, how we had to move to this space Mm -hmm. because we had so many people that needed help and, right. and needed mental health services. Mm-hmm. So it was bittersweet. It was great for business, bad for the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it kind of is, you, you had to have both, mm-hmm. but it was good to be in a place where you could service those people. Mm-hmm. I know, um, I don't, I hadn't, as far as my immediate family is concerned, we weren't necessarily um, affected by COVID in, negatively. Um, actually, I didn't even catch COVID until the top of this year. um but i'm just speaking from my my perspective we actually being locked in was with my wife and and family was great for us personally because we didn't have the sickness so all we we got a chance to focus on each other um that's when i was able to we were able to throw ideas around and um you know, I launched a podcast and yeah. you know things of that nature where it it was just it was a good time for me to reflect. Mm-hmm. It gave it was the first time where I even had the time to do so because you know with work and yeah. all the outside things. But when you know, um, it's interesting because when when you're in a situation where it's just you sitting down or you may be sick or going through something, that's one thing. But when you know that the whole world is in the same situation as you, it was kind of freeing for for me personally, yeah. knowing that it's not necessarily um, I'm not losing anything from from being with my family because everybody is in the same situation. Yeah, and I I took that opportunity to enjoy it. You know, um, I know it wasn't that way for everybody, and I do sympathize with people who lost loved ones um, and just caught maybe a very bad case of COVID, you know, that, that was a possibility too. But for me, um, personally, I felt as though I gained a lot of, uh, it was a lot of positive things that came out of COVID for, for me and my family. Yeah. Um, and, and most of it is, is, uh, I can attribute that to, you know, first of all, loving the people that I'm around, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. being in a good space mentally. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was, um, I guess, hiding or coping in any way. So I mm-hmm. can say that my mental health was good before COVID. So that allowed it to be good nice. during that process. So, nice. I mean, that's a blessing. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that to, to brag. It's just I've always been, I've always felt like um, I was in a good space. But even me, I can, I can say that I'm guilty of um, not seeing a therapist in times like that where you, you know, like I said, I, we talked about it earlier, just because you're not feeling bad, that doesn't mean that you don't need to talk to somebody. Right. Um, right. And as a man, um, I always have felt as though, I, well, I was always raised to, you know, be that provider, mm-hmm. be the strong person mm-hmm. in the household. I'm always, you know, the first line of defense for everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind it kind of comes, you know, like unspoken that we don't talk about that Mm -hmm. you know we just go through it Mm -hmm. and um that can be dangerous within itself Mm -hmm. to hold certain things in um especially when you don't have an outlet right yeah and and just culturally i know why we do that 
So, um, but also culturally, it hasn't been working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the large majority of us, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but to uh, get back, let's see. Do you have any any tips? Um, just to touch back on the um, going into business with with a partner. Do you have any tips for anybody who wanted who wanted to go through that line? Who they're thinking they're thinking about going into business with a partner, not necessarily somebody who's as close as you and Ashley are, but just in general. Did you have any tips for anybody yeah. in that space? Um, you have to find a business partner. Um, that you can trust. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I think about a business partner, um, and this is just me, I really think about like a marriage, right? Partnership. It's a partnership. So I know Ashley and I joke all the time and say, you know, like we're, 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 um, we're married, but you have to, you have to have someone that you can talk to Mm -hmm. and be open with and trust. And if you can't have trust and you can't be a hundred percent with that person, then that's probably not the person that you need to be in business with. Um, because, um, Again, I think when you get on this side of business with with us growing so fast, being so big, um, there's just a lot of outside things that could really affect um, your your partnership, Mm -hmm. um, even in your marriage. You know, Um, so being comfortable and being secure within your relationship with your partner is I think that's bottom line what you need Mm -hmm. out of everything. Um, and then, then, then somebody that can just see your vision. Right. And I, I think if you have those two things, you probably are good. Makes a lot of sense. Um, with, with the business being where it is, um, and congratulations on, on the, all the success that y'all have seen so far. Um, I feel like that there is a, um, a healthy work environment that goes into that too. Mm, mm. Um, what do y'all do to kind of provide a healthy work environment mm-hmm. around the office? Yeah. Um, so I think that we just like to cultivate people being who they are mm-hmm. um, and really meeting our, our staff where they are. And, and again, trying to see their vision, too, but pushing them to be OK with dreaming and pushing them to be OK with um, open communication. And of course, what I am realizing and noticing now being in business three years and having staff um, is that when when you have that label as a boss, people still have like their reservations mm-hmm. of, you know, coming, coming and talk to, to you, you know, mm-hmm. money or just anything. They still have the reservations, um, even though you really try hard to just be an equal with them. Um, so just trying to just keep like a family environment, open door policy. Um, you know, we do regular supervision and we ask our, our staff all the time, like, where do you see yourself being? What do you want to get into? Mm-hmm. Um, and really pushing them to just live out their dream. Cool. Cool. I mean, whatever it is, it's working because you don't, so. you don't get to this point without a team around you. Yeah. So I, I definitely see the value in, in, um, not only administering a healthy work environment, mm-hmm. but. I mean, because you got to work here too. So yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it definitely it benefits the whole office when everybody is on yeah. the same same wavelength. Right. Um. So we kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but I wanted to. This is the part of the show where um, we get to the too stubborn to fail moment. Basically, a moment where 
you had to overcome adversity um, that sticks out to you the most? Mm -hmm. um, what would that moment be for you? Uh, I thought about this question for so long. <laughs> um, I I think the the biggest thing um, is going back to what I was talking about with um, you know jumping around culturally, mm -hmm. right? You know, just being um, just growing up and being able to be around different cultures and things like that, and then switching um, to a different type of culture. Um, so what I noticed about myself, again, I am outgoing, but, um, I find my, I found myself having to create my own tables, mm -hmm. create my own opportunities. Um, there was one point in my life where I just felt like I just wasn't good enough. Like I wasn't smart enough to go to college, which is probably why I try to drop out so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, my grades weren't that good. It took me so long to get back in grad school. It took me so long to open the business because I really looked at myself as being an underdog and not just being smart enough or or good enough to sit at a table with people who may or may not look at like me. So I had to learn to change how I looked at myself. I really did. And I had to learn to just be my biggest fan. Mm -hmm. And um, it took me to create my own tables and create these opportunities for myself um, for people to really notice me. Mm -hmm. um, and. I think that was the best thing for me because it made me realize that whatever I want to do, I can do it and I can, and I can stand up for what I believe in, even if it means standing alone. Mm, that was powerful. And you know what the interesting thing about that is, it's probably, I don't know the numbers, um, but I think a majority of us spend a lot of time within our own head mm -hmm. and that allows, that forces us to prolong things that, in many cases, it keeps us from doing things that, you know, we should have been done or right. it may not ever happen just because you feel as though, like you said, you weren't good enough. Yeah. Um, but but who's to say that it won't work? Right. You know, what we always it's easier for us to think about what if it doesn't work? But what if it does? What if it does? <laughs> that part. What yeah. If it does. What if it does? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I thank you. I thank you for that moment. Um. But before we get out of here, um, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. I neglected. I'm sorry. I didn't bring this up for Ashley's interview, but go ahead where you're located, okay. the business, everything. Yeah. Go ahead and, and, and tell us about that. Okay. So we're located at um, 1105 Bellevue, Columbia, South Carolina, 29201. We're downtown off of Main Street. Um, you can find me online. My Instagram is Lanita. Jefferson, I had to think about it for a minute. Um, so Lanita dot Jefferson underscore therapist. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook at Lanita Jefferson or on our website, Carolina Assessment Services. There you have it. Um, before we get out of here, um, do you have any any closing remarks, last pieces of wisdom that you want to share? Yeah, well, I, I want to thank you again for having me on the podcast. Yeah. This was amazing. Um, the questions were amazing. It really made me think. Um, and, um, I think that I would like to end on, you know, if there's anybody that's thinking about making a career change or starting a business or, um, moving to a different place, whatever you want to do, um, you can dream as big as you want. Just, just do it. Just believe in yourself. And it's okay to have failure. You, you don't know success without failure. Oh man, I couldn't, have, couldn't have ended it any better myself. <laughs> I thank you for that. Um, 
This has been another amazing episode of the Two Stepping to Fail podcast. Episode number 25 <laughs> is in the books. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We had Lanita Jefferson in the building today, and we are signing out.